Hey folks, welcome back to the Eat Well Podcast. It's Dylan here. Okay, I'm super excited. I'm having my first celebrity guest on the Eat Well Podcast. I've invited 15-year veteran of the National Hockey League and former Vancouver Canuck, Brendan Morrison, to come and talk about hunting and fishing on the podcast. Now, I grew up in Vancouver, so I've been a lifetime fan of the Canucks, and I had the opportunity to watch Brendan Morrison centering Todd Bertuzzi, Marcus Naslin for a bunch of years where they piled up the points and were one of the most dominant and exciting lines in the NHL. So to be sitting here years later and chatting about what we're both super passionate about, fishing and hunting, yeah, I'm excited. So I hope you're going to enjoy this podcast. We get into a few things. We talk about, well, of course, fishing. We talk a bunch about Brendan's passion for fishing and how it transitioned to his discovery of hunting and a little bit about adult onset hunting and the barriers to, you know, discovering hunting and and getting involved. And then, uh, yeah, we just talk about uh, a little bit about mentorship and, and good stuff like that. So, I think you'll enjoy this podcast. You'll you'll feel the passion and excitement that Brendan has for both fishing and hunting and the way of life that it provides. He makes an amazing ambassador for what we're all about. So, hope you enjoy this. Brendan Morrison, hey, thanks for coming on the Well Podcast. Well, I appreciate it, Dylan. Thanks for uh, reaching out. I'm glad we could connect and, and do this. Well, it's funny because when I was a kid, eh, like I, well, kid, I mean, when we were both kids, you were playing hockey and I was just a kid or just a guy. Uh, I think we're back to the same age. So I, I remember, I don't know what it was, I mean, back then there wasn't social media and stuff, but you, you, you did a lot of fishing back in the day. And I, I remember going, God, that guy is so fired up about fishing. I should just call him and see if he wants to go fishing. Cause like, he, like we're both so keyed up about it, but uh uh, yeah, that was, so I was, I was going to reach out back then, but finally, 25 years later, I finally reached out. To, you you to, probably would have got me to do it then, too. <laughs> oh, well, I think we were, I think you were talking about fishing the vetter or something. I was like, well, I know that like the back of my hand. So, um, anyway, so let, let's, okay. So, uh, I, I have a question for you. My first question is, uh, so 15 years in the NHL, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. With a span of 15 years, I, Played my first game in December of, of uh, 1997 and, and uh, retired in at the end of the 2012 season. Okay, so when you're when you're when you're contemplating retirement from the NHL, is like is it going to be like me? Like I'm, I'm a public servant uh, work as a as a park manager. Like I'm looking forward to retiring because I'm going to hunt and fish all the time. Or is it a different experience coming off a yeah career? <laughs> well, I think it's similar but different. If that makes sense. Uh, you know, at some point, whatever career you're, you're doing and you know there's an end and uh, y- your mind kind of maybe shifts to what can I do when I'm done this uh, job I'm, I'm doing right now and, and what lies ahead of me, what challenges are in front of me, et cetera. So it's, it's a little bittersweet, you know, like I knew obviously in, in the sports world, you know, uh, I was 36 years old and that's old, right, for a professional athlete. But in the workforce, we're in the real world. That's a young guy. And, um, so I knew I had a lot of years in front of me and, and I didn't want to sit idle. Uh, I knew right away I would be busy at home because I have four kids and just transitioning back into daily life with the kids would be busy. And I know my wife kind of handled the brunt of that while I played and she was phenomenal, but you know, I, I was excited about getting more involved with the kids and their activities and helping coach them, et cetera. And, and then also maybe getting in, in, involved in following some more passions that I had. Right on. So, so what, so what were some of those things you sort of took on after retirement in terms of career stuff? What was, what well, was next? Yeah. Well, one, I got into a couple of things right away. When I was, when I was still playing, I, uh, I connected with a group out of Vancouver called the Strongman Group who, uh, who owns commercial, commercial real estate across BC. So I became a partner with the Strongman Group and, and, uh, we have a couple of cro- uh, properties in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan. So some commercial real estate. So, I kind of got into that right away. Um, I had more time to fish, which was always a passion of mine. So um, got heavily into that. And 
and while I played, I actually co-hosted a couple of shows, um, uh, sport fishing adventures under the BC outdoors umbrella. And, uh, you know, did that for a couple of years, uh, started another company out here, a rental company in Calgary with a, with a former hockey player, Jeff Sanderson. And, uh, so, you know, I had a bunch of different business things on the go, had time to, you know, fish a lot more and, and then kind of added to that arsenal of passion, if you will, by getting introduced to hunting, which we can obviously chat about, but, uh, that, that was kind of the, the evolution for me it was a lot more time with the family and staying busy, keeping your mind busy. Yeah. I imagine eh? cause I guess life's pretty full on. It's a pro athlete. You probably don't have too much time to, you know, do those pa- things you're passionate about. Yeah. Well, you know, it, like it's, that's, that's interesting. Like when you're a professional athlete, you know, you, you almost become selfish to be honest with you. I mean, you, you're so dialed in and tuned into what you need to do in order to be successful that it, it, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice for a lot of other things and especially on your family. Like, you know, for example, if we had a game tomorrow night, like I, I and, and my wife or the kids wanted to go to the mall or, or something like that, I would say, well, I can't. I can't. And they're, what do you mean, dad? You can't. Well, in my mind, if I went to the mall and walked around, I'd be tired for tomorrow night. You know, so you, you get so fine tuned in, into, you know, what your body needs, you know, eating wise, sleep wise, all that. So when I found anyways, when I was done, I wanted to do everything. Like I, I would just like try and fill my day with as much stuff as possible. And I, and I, I still find myself doing that today. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. Cause you're just completely focused. Right. And yeah. Okay. I get it. That's uh I mean, so maybe it is like when you retire, you're like, woohoo, I can do whatever I want. So maybe we've got some comments. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So I, uh, so what are you doing now for a project? I've seen, I've seen a bit of your stuff. I think it's, it's real West coast. What, what's that about? Yeah. So it started uh, real West coast here five years ago and uh, this kind of branched off from on my own. And I wanted to create a fishing show that was a little bit different than, the traditional fishing shows out there like there's a lot of great content out there and, and i'm not um t- trying to disregard previous shows or shows that are out there now but my vision for the show was yes fishing is very important but i wanted to kind of showcase the adventure and the lifestyle and uh, of fishing like you know what goes into it like you know how do you get to certain places um just just the whole experience of it in in general like i mean when you're there at that place you know, take a look around, like look up, look at your scenery, your settings, like just take everything in while you can. And that was kind of the premise of, of starting Real West Coast. And it's been a ton of fun. We've, um, we've got a lot of great sponsors and partners with the show and made a lot of great friends uh, as we've traveled. We've got to go fish in some incredible places, obviously all across BC. And we've been up to Alaska. We've been uh, into uh, the Northwest Territories. And then some warmer locations like uh, Mexico and, and Hawaii, and we got to we got down to Belize. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, and it's been very enjoyable. Oh man, that's I'm, I'm envious. That sounds like a ton of fun. I, I did actually I watched one of the episodes of of you hanging out in Tofino, and you and you went and hung out with Willie Mitchell, and did a bit of prawn and a bit of crab. And what I did notice about the show, it's fairly food focused or food forward. I, I think you ate five times in a 20 minute episode you're like <laughs> yeah we're not afraid to eat that's for sure we'll eat, uh, you know like good healthy bounty of uh, food like last coast all that salmon and crab i mean you gotta prepare yourself yeah absolutely well you your fair share of catching your fair share of eating which was kind of reflective of like my experience fishing as well i mean it's all about you know the bounty of amazing food and then what what are you going to do with it next right so well you're right like i uh you know, obviously a big part of our show too is, you know, is conservation and, and um, you know, selectively uh, taking fish that, that uh, you know, that we, we harvest for our family and we eat and, and, and I have no problems doing that. But uh, I think what I want, I was going to ask you, so as a, as someone who's got a fishing show, one thing I, I also picked up on your show, which I really liked, um, I think you guys are providing some mentorship there. I, I see you talking about, you know, how to fish and, and uh, the conservation aspects. Uh, but do you get a lot of folks to sort of get excited about what they're seeing and say, how can I do this? And yeah. how can I get into fishing? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, a big part of it is, um, you know, is the younger generation of, of outdoorsmen in general is, 
is really shrinking that number. So to encourage, um, well, anybody, as a matter of fact, but really encourage that younger generation to get out and try it and just to, you know, try to get across how excited I get and how much passion I have for it. I think that's, it's key to the show. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just, I tell people like, I get asked this question a lot. What is it that you like so much about fishing? And one, I tell people for me, it's, you know, getting outdoors you're kind of disconnecting from the real world, if you will, from your phone, from technology, your computer, all that. But it's the electricity that you get when a fish bites and just you feel that through the line, through the rod, into your hands. To me, it's just a huge adrenaline rush. And, and that's what I love about it. It's, I mean, all those things kind of combined. Okay, so I got some, I got some uh, would you rather questions. They're going to come up maybe during this if I remember, which they all are. But my first one is for you. So 40-pound uh, spring or hat trick in the <laughs> NHL? Oh, jeez. I, I only had one hat trick, so I'll say hat trick in NHL. <laughs> How many forty pounders you got? Well, I've only I've got two, so I've got two. Oh, so I'm on. one ahead with the salmon, so I'll even it up with the hat trick. <laughs> oh, well done, well done. Okay, okay, I, I got a couple more, but I, I got I'll see if I can get to them. Um, so 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 yeah, with with that, like you know. When people get excited, they see your excitement, and that, that's what I enjoy about your show. You, you look like the kind of guy that I actually want to go fishing with. They're just having a good time on a boat, and I mean that's what's beautiful about fishing. You leave everything behind, and you're just hanging out with the, those awesome people that are in your boat and fishing all day, and it's just it's a hoot. And uh, but you know, for people to get into this, like I mean, we're very lucky. We both have boats, and it's like it's kind of like you know to step into the world that we are fortunate enough to step into and go fishing. It's not necessarily approachable for a lot of people. Um, do you have something you could like for people who get want to share that excitement? Where can they start? Do you have any thoughts about how can people start that journey to becoming a fisher that is, you know, maybe has not quite such big barriers as actually boat ownership and such? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there definitely is a bit of a progression uh, to it, and and un not unlike probably you and I when we started. Like I remember, you know, I grew up in Pitt Meadows in the Lower Mainland, and and my early days of fishing were. Um, you know, going down to, uh, you know, kind of the, the pit river or, uh, one of the creeks in the lower mainland with, uh, spin casting rod and, and some, uh, some spoons or even just like a, a bobber and a worm type of idea. Right. And, and that's kind of just back to basics kind of got me into it. But, you know, what I would recommend to people now that have kind of been through it all is if you have a keen interest in getting involved, is, is go to one of your local tackle shops. I mean, these guys are dialed in. They're on the water all the time. They know exactly what's happening in your area. And the best thing is, is they want to help you. They want to teach you. They want you to go out and have success. So, you know, you just kind of tell them, you know, what you're looking to do and, and you'll get set right up. And then the progression from there is, is, you know, if you're going to a different area or a new area, I mean, there's something to be said about learning it yourself. And, and uh, like anything in life, it's, you know, trial and error and, and your experiences. But, you know, if you're only going to be there for a short period of time, then I, and you have the means to do it, then I think it's totally worth getting a guide. You get a guide if you're going to be there for a few days or whatever it is, you get dialed in, you see what their, you know, what their setup is, what they're using, what they're looking for in the water. And, and, and you learn, that's how you learn. You learn from people who have done it for a lot of years. And, and over the, over time, it's kind of, uh, it's a, uh, kind of a culmination of all this knowledge you've acquired where you gain confidence and you feel comfortable going out and, and doing it whether it's by yourself or, or, or your family or your friends. Totally, Ben. Like, that's great. I, I kind of had my list of points. And you just nailed all, all of them, actually. Like, start, start, you know, start in an accessible approach. River fishing is a great way to get on the water. If you time it right, you can be on, a, on, a, on the Fraser, the pit, when there's fish coming by or, you know, and, or if you're out in a birder or something, you know, there, there's lots of good trout fishing in those rivers. And it's accessible and it's fun. And it's like... And yeah, you just you can get started by going in your tackle shop. I really like that advice. And then, yeah, definitely like, you know, the, uh, that we're, we're going to transition and talk a little bit about the barriers to enter hunting yeah. and the one gap that's not there for people like that. The one thing that makes uh, fishing so much more accessible in some ways and learning though, you know, is to, is to hire a guy. Like you can go to Tofino and hire a guy for a thousand bucks with four people on their boat 
and probably catch a thousand bucks worth of fish. I mean, it's an incredibly good value experience. And on top of that, you get to hang out with someone that spent their entire life like catching salmon. So like yeah. go there, hire a guy, like, oh, what a, what an awesome experience. And then yeah, we hired I hired a, a guide to take me down the stamp one year. Okay. And uh, do you know the Stamp River on the island? Do you ever oh, yeah. fish it? Yeah, I've fished it a few times. Yep. And like what like I mean, what what I mean, he should never have taken us down because we, we didn't we didn't mention that we had a drift boat <laughs> that we were building that we were gonna basically duplicate the experience over and over again. But once we got taken down once, I mean, gosh, we went from catching us, you know, a a a steelhead every like six trips to you know, catching six every trip, you know, like after that one experience of going with someone that could really put it together for you and wow, such a good investment. Absolutely. And if like if you're gonna spend time there. It's good to learn it. Like, you know, what, what seams are these guys looking for? What pockets of water? Because a lot of times, especially on the stamp, those fish kind of, you know, uh, you know, annually kind of go back to the same spots, right? And, uh, and it's a fun river. They got a good hatchery program there. So there's, uh, there's opportunity for success for sure. Yeah, totally. Who's that saying hello in the background? Oh, man. I just, I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, my dog's barking. <laughs> I have a, I have like a 15 year old Springer Spaniel that'll eventually come pound on the door here and want to come hang out. So uh, it's right. kind of part of the podcast all the time. This is a uh, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm like embarrassed right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Do you want to, do you want to take a break or are you just fight through it? I, I, I'm whatever you want to do. This you think is well, well, too authentic. I could go send her outside. <laughs> hey man, like no one's accused you well podcast of being anything but authentic. Like we've done so many podcasts, like intense in the middle of freaking storms that are trying to blow us off the mountain. And like, yeah, the one thing I don't do is studio quality recordings and that's part of the program. Well, so I was, I was um, listening to some of your pole bender there. That was pretty, uh, pretty intense, man. Oh, it was a wild ride, man. It was cool. Um, those guys, yeah, that, that, yeah. Have you checked out those teepee tents? Have you? No, I, I haven't yet, but I'm going to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're offline. I'll, I'll give you the full, uh, the full update on them, but, yeah. uh, I sure, I sure a big fan of them for sure. Um, all right. So we're, now, let me keep on rolling here. So I, I was kind of trying to transition from like concept of getting excited about fishing and getting into fishing. And really what I'm excited to talk to you about is like, you know, Someone who like you obviously as a you know you grew up in Vancouver it's an urban environment you you played professional hockey you lived in big cities um, you were no doubt part of an urban lifestyle as a professional hockey player and then somewhere along the way you got the the, the switch went on for hunting and uh, when did that happen for you what did that kind of look like Yeah, it, it did go on for me and and that kind of uh, happened when I when I retired from hockey and I think maybe part of the reason was you know the hockey season is, is you know, typically starts right at the beginning of hunting season. And, and, uh, so the opportunity to do it wasn't really there. Secondly, like I didn't grow up in a hunting family. Like my, my, my parents didn't hunt. Um, my dad always jokes that the outdoor hunting and fishing gene skipped a generation with him because my grandfather was, uh, was an avid angler and, and hunter, but he, he grew up in Ontario. So Anyways, I've got that gene. I've got that bug. And so when I retired from hockey and, and started to do some more fishing, I had some close friends that had hunted for a lot of years. And, and they, they, you know, they talked to me about it and said, listen, you, you like fishing so much. You got to come hunting with us. And I was, you know, at first I was a little bit leery of it. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if it's for me, you know, like, I think I might just stick to fishing. And then, you know, they convinced me to go out and, and uh, my first couple of experiences were bow hunting. And after like my first trip bow hunting uh, was for mule deer down here in Southern Alberta. And I had some very intimate close encounters, you know, uh, we, we didn't shoot anything, but just those experiences. I mean, I, I mean, just thinking about it right now, the hair kind of stands up on my arms. I, I was absolutely captivated by it and drawn into it. And again, uh, so many things that go into it is, you know, just being outdoors and enjoying your surroundings. Like I, I just love it. it. It's physical. I, I, uh, you know, that was kind of ingrained in me through my days of hockey. Just, I enjoyed the hiking. I, I enjoyed the long, hard walks. I like climbing mountains. Um, I like the competition of it, if you will, um, putting together a game plan or a strategy, depending on conditions, you know, what animal you're, 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 you are hunting, um, you know, obviously, 
determines how you're going to approach things like with the wind and you know all that stuff so i i was absolutely blown away by it and the first time i went out was uh was eight years ago now and i uh it's something that that it really does consume me come the fall so how long did you have to sort of plug away till you had your first successful hunt well my first uh my first three years, I, I, I primarily bow hunted and um, I had my, I, I, I shot my first elk. It was, uh, I got a cow draw. So I shot a cow elk my third year of bow hunting. And after those first couple of years, I like, you know, I primarily thought I wanted to be a bow hunter and, and I love it. I love the intimacy of it. I, I just love how hard it is. And, and it's so rewarding when you are successful, mm-hmm. but I kind of, I don't know if graduated, but I also brought in rifle into my arsenal and, um, you know, one, it just gave me more opportunities to, to chase game and get outside more. And the success rate obviously increases when you have a rifle. So, um, but the first animal I, I did get was an elk with my bow, uh, a cow. And then, um, you know, I, I, I've got my first white tail with a bow this year. And, uh, I've got, I think four bulls with my rifle and, and, uh, nice mule deer. So it's, you know, every year it's, uh, it's, um, you know, the way I look at it is, is it's providing again for the family, right? Like all those things I talked about are a part of it and I'm extremely passionate about it. But at the end of the day, I'm personally not a guy that's out there just chasing horns, you know, to put up on my wall. I mean, I, I could care less about that. My family. My kids, they absolutely love wild meat and uh, they, they've they really kind of bought into my passion. And, you know, like when I go out on a trip, they're like rooting for me like, dad, you, you better come home with something, you know, like, and that's, that's kind of neat. Okay. Another would you rather, I think I might know the answer to this one, but I'm going to go for it again. Okay. Would you rather look back and say, I had a string of 25 goal seasons in the NHL, or would you rather go back and say, I, I've had a stretch of killing six-point bull elk every year for the past 10 years. Wow. Well, I, <laughs> I think those bull elk might take the cake. <laughs> okay, I would I would have thought the other way. <laughs> okay, well, I know, I know, I know what fires you up, and I, I, we have some common ground for sure. Man, like, honestly, is, is there anything uh, that gets your hair stand up on end, maybe more than a bear? But uh, when you're when you're bugling with an elk or you're in tight with an elk and that thing's screaming and it's yards away and and, and it's just like I, you can't describe it to people until they actually experience it, right? I mean, it is a, a absolute phenomenal thing to see. Like, it's unworldly. Like, like the sound that they make, especially when they're in close. Like when they're off in the distance, it kind of sounds whistly, and it's like, but when it's up close like that the sound of their bugle it's like it's totally a foreign sound like it just i don't it's unworldly i i, I can't even really describe it it's so intense it's just like it's this man it just fires you up deep gurgling like prehistoric like dinosaur like yeah dinosaur like yeah mm-hmm. otherworldly <laughs> so i like your analogy too like I mean, I like elk hunting is my thing. Like, I love, I just, I love elk hunting. I just, I, I think about it. I got, that's my main focus of my hunt most years is going elk hunting. And I, and it is ultimately like a game plan. It's like you're constantly developing a game plan and then reevaluating your game plan and like just coming up with strategy after strategy to try and connect on a bull. I, I like your analogy around that with, uh, with that relating that back to the game plan of hockey that's pretty cool oh yeah like and and i think i mean once you get into it you you really appreciate it more because you you realize especially with a bow and and a rifle but a a bow how difficult it is i mean it's the percentage of guys that actually you know uh, take an animal with a bow is very minute it's uh it's it's crazy odds but it's just just the chance of being there and and putting in the work and and knowing that you have an opportunity it just that's what draws me back i just i can't wait for it again to be honest with you next fall i mean i've already i'm playing out scenarios in my head and uh always trying to get better do you hunt in bc do you hunt elk in bc you know what i i actually um i came out this year for the first time to hunt elk and it was in the princeton area 
Um, we had a couple uh, decent encounters. We ne- we never filled our tag. Um, so most of my most of my hunting so far has been done in Alberta. Yeah, yeah. Prince is a hard hunt for sure. Yeah, like yeah. it was, you know, like it was uh, very different from what I was used to here in Alberta as far as like how quiet those animals were in Princeton. And I get it, it a little bit more pressure there maybe in some areas. And, and this is how, how quietly they would come in, not make a sound, and all of a sudden they'd be right in front of you. And that happened. Yeah. That happened. I was like, there was like a, a bolt 20, 30 yards in front of me. Like, where did he come from? You know, like it was uh, – yeah, it was bizarre, but it, it was fun. It, it, Great, just crazy how quiet they could be. You got the giant antlers, and they're a huge animal. And you can't. You know, how could I not hear you? You're like, you're, it's, I'm dead quiet, and you're you're 15 meters away. This is insane. You know, like nature. Just the more time you spend outside, it just ceases to amaze what what animals can do and their senses and their eyesight and their smell and you know from big game to, you know down to turkeys. Like, you know, it's just it just absolutely blows you away. Cool. Hey, so do you get buck fever or elk fever when there's an animal that close? Oh yeah, absolutely. I still do. Yeah, I get the shakes, and uh, I've had it a few times. Like I, uh, I remember a couple years ago here, I, I, uh, I had a beautiful whitetail come in front of me in, in front of my stand at 27 yards, and you know I've, I've replayed this scenario so many times in my head, and I, I couldn't stop shaking. I, just, I couldn't, and the, and the buck was broadside for like two minutes and I couldn't draw my bow. I would had, it was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest thing. And, and I, I was so angry and I said, okay, just take three deep breaths and then just pull your bow. And this is what you've been dreaming of. Really? He's right there. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> Bob walked off. I was so mad. I just got out of my tree stand. I went home. I said, that's it. Oh man. Oh, sh- yeah. Okay. I had one of my more goofy, I had another a goofy thought that, uh, but I think I already know the answer again. But okay, so what is more nerve wracking? Standing at center ice with the pocket center ice, you got you, you got to do a uh, you, you, it's a Shoot potential game winning <laughs> goal. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> on a breakaway or uh, 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 and um, or you know hold, standing standing your tree down looking at the, a beautiful buck. What are you more nervous at? Um, For me, that's an easy one. I mean, that's staring at, at an animal before uh, yeah that close because you know hockey is kind of like second nature i've been doing it since i was five years old but the hunting is still new to me so it's like you can't practice for that moment right you just you can't uh really uh predict how your body's going to feel and, and and you try to tell yourself well just take deep breaths deep breaths but when things happen quickly like that if you're in a tree stand and you're in a dense area or something you know, if you can see a game, if you see game far off in the distance, you can get a good visual. Then I think you can kind of talk yourself into calming down. Okay, this is what's happening. But when things happen quickly like that, your adrenaline spikes and your heart's going max heart rate. It's it's hard, man. It is very hard. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Well, you know, it's like my old hunting partner Jeff Horsfield, uh, my mentor. He says, you know, if you're if you don't get excited anymore, you're not getting your money's worth. You know, so it's, uh, hey, you know, I, and that's kind of how I feel like about fishing still, right? Like, I hope that never leaves me, right? That passion, that excitement. If for some reason I go out on the water one day and I don't have that, then it's time to not go out anymore. Well, I, I, I've been hunting whitetails for 35 years and I still have the same excitement when I see a buck of any caliber step out in front of me. It just, there's, it just is not. It hasn't cured itself that excitement and you know for any any white tail buck i've just fired right up and gosh elk hunting same thing it just there's you, you think you'd kind of like you get a little bit more methodical about it or you know but it, do, it doesn't go away <laughs> at least not for me and i've done a hell of a lot of it and more than most probably and uh yeah no I, and i cherish that i mean i love it and yeah that's what makes it super it fun and keeps you coming back yeah so what do you, what do you think? What are some barriers that you've had in trying to become a successful hunter? Like I, I talk a lot about when in the mentorship piece, I like what are those barriers? Like what what makes hunting harder? What are the things that maybe you learned along the way that made a big difference to to improving your success? Man, I, I think more than anything, hunting is trial and error. Like you you have to get out there and you have to get boots to the ground and you have to put your time in. I mean, you know, one of the biggest things I guess honestly for me early on in the process was 
you know, I, I never grew up around guns. I, we never had a, a gun around the house or, and, and I was always a little um, hesitant to, to grab a gun or pick up a gun. So, you know, initially before I, I, I got into hunting more seriously, it was just, you know, taking my core course, right. My, my, and uh, getting my pal, I should say first, not my core, my pal, uh, possession acquisition license and just getting comfortable and then you know that that really you know made me made me feel like not in, not intimidated by you know walking with a gun or carrying a gun like that was a big barrier for me initially and, and once I got over that hump you know things things went pretty pretty smoothly but um you know I, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it I mean uh geez I mean where do, where do I start I mean um you know, uh, having access to certain places, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, but doing your homework on public land, you know, getting topography charts, you know, trying to follow habits of game, like at certain parts of the year, you know, where do they like to be? You know, are, are they up higher in the mountains? Or are they coming down to feed? Um, so just trying patterning animals, um, you know, what to do in certain situations, I guess, with elk, because I'm, I'm with you, like, that's my favorite thing to do is, is bow hunt elk. So, I mean, I'm still pretty new to it, seven, eight years in, and learning so much every day, like, when should I call? When should I not? You know, should I bugle here? Or should I cow call? Oh, man, like, we had a, a couple of years ago, I was with my, my buddy there I mentioned earlier, Jeff Sanderson, and uh, he's kind of my hunting partner here. And we went, we were down in Montana and, uh, we were kind of honing in on this bull and he was the caller. I was a shooter. So he, I was up ahead of him and, 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 but we were on kind of a side of a mountain and I see a, this bull coming and he's calling behind me. I'm like, oh, man, this is happening. Like this is happening right now. And this bull kind of stops and Jeff was bugling. And in my mind, I, I could see that elk kind of not acting like he wanted to come much further with that bugle so i just was in my mind like sandy please don't bugle again like just be quiet this elk like, i'm not Shut up. draw like he needs to take one more step and he rips out a bugle and this bull just turns <laughs> and beats it down the hill and i'm like what so i'm flying up the hill i'm like did you not see him he's like see what i'm like <laughs> full draw like 35 yards he's like no you weren't don't tell me you were. He's like, I'm never bringing my bugle to with me again. <laughs> so, you know, it's moments like that. Like you just kind of look back on it and laugh and, and uh, just try to educate yourself. And, and uh, you know, it was interesting. I, I was by myself here. Um, Jeff had actually got a bull the day before and we hunted that morning on this, on uh, this, this property. We have permission. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to hunt the night here. And um, you know, you're so, we, we made this big purchase. We got e-bikes a couple of years ago to cover ground quickly. And yeah. they're phenomenal. Oh yeah. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> so I go on my e-bike, I'm riding around and, and uh, I'm stopping glass. And then I, I see some elk bedded on the side of a hill and I'm looking and then I hear, I see, well, there's a bull and they're like probably, I don't know, a mile and a half, two miles from me. So I do my, you know, angle to get over there, rip over there, hop off my bike. And this thing's just, yeah, now he's just lit up and he's, he's probably 200, 250 yards from me. And I'm like, oh, why are I'm all excited? I look down. Well, I forgot my release back at the car. So I don't have my bow release. Oh, I'm like, are you kidding me? And this thing's just going off. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go old school here. I'm just going to pull my, pull my, thing <laughs> my fingers. I'm like, I'm going in there. So I'm like, I better take a practice here. I better just grab my bow strings and just, you know, I'll just see if I can do it. So I grab my strings, oh, I pull them back, and what happens? They slip off my fingers, it, my bow dry fires, and my strings snap. I'm missing, I'm standing there, and this thing's just going off. And I'm like, you have to be the biggest idiot in the bush right now. But I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this as a learning experience. I'm going to go in and see if I can get that bull to respond. So I, by the time I got up there, he was bedded down again on the side of the hill. So I was sneaking in tight. I was in within 180 yards, 75. I'm getting pretty close to him. So I'm I'm cow calling. I'm cow calling. And he's not even responding, not even looking at me. So, you know, I'd been listening to some podcasts and that. And, and uh, they said, you know, if you get in his bedroom, you know, within 100 yards, just rip out a big a bugle and challenge him. So, man, I got in there. 
I ripped the bugle off. This thing flew to his feet and right away just was eyeballing me, right? <laughs> scratching the ground and I started raking the tree, bugled again. It was unbelievable. And then he's head down and he's scraping and now he's on a beeline right to me. I, I got it on my phone. I filmed it. He came right into me. He was like 30 yards away from me. I'm like, I'm looking at my bow. I got no strings. I got nothing. So I'm like, one, I hope I'm not educating this guy. And two, man, I just learned a lot here. So that was kind of cool. So that, yeah, I mean, just countless stories like that in, in seven years time. Well, that's a success though, right? I mean, like having an experience like that is like, you know, bow or no bow or no functioning bow, you know, like that's, that's what makes elk cutting so fantastic. And, and oh yeah, I, I love that. I love it. But you must have been thinking like, I got a knife though. I got a knife. Oh, yeah. Like, gonna... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know if I'd win that one or not, but yeah, he was, uh, that was cool, man. Like again, just, just seeing how they react to different things. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Right on. That's a great story. So what would you want to be like in, in, in the hunting realm? Uh, what would you want to be better at? Like, what do you want? To, what do you want to develop skill at? Like, where, where do you where do you feel like you want to work on things or be more comfortable? Or uh, you know, I, I think I need to become a better caller, just more comfortable in it. I, I think that's another kind of once you start getting into it. I found myself being really hesitant to to call and always deferring to somebody else. Like, hey man, like I don't feel comfortable. Like you, you go ahead. But then the last couple of years, I found myself. You know, it's funny. I drive around with. Uh, you know, cow reeds in my mouth in the car, you know, leading up to hunting season. So wherever I'm doing, I'm just practicing. I found myself like anything, if you want to get better at it, you have to practice. So I got cow calls in my mouth. I'm just, you know, you know, manufacturing different calls. Now, I'm, now I feel comfortable like, I, Hey, I don't mind doing that. And I still got to work on my bugle a bit, but last, last year I did it a lot more and, and had some great responses. So again, like anything, once you get more confident and you're willing to try things more, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I like, my creep game, I guess, if you will. Like I like, I, I think I'm pretty stealthy. At least I think I am. Like I've had a lot of intimate encounters with elk, just haven't sealed the deal. So I like that part of it. But um, you know, there's there's and there's cer certain things that you know you think you've done everything right and you're in, in the right position, and all of a sudden the wind swirls real quick, and all of a sudden you get winded. You're like, man, I just put all this time and effort in to get in the what I thought was a great spot and just mother nature just kind of steps in. And sometimes you can control those things and sometimes you can't. No, it's like, it's like, yeah, you have the best game plan. It can all get blown out of the water by, you know, but yeah, a bit of wind or one stick in the wrong spot or some other hunter walking over the hill and kind of blowing it out for you. And like, you never know. You have to be so ready, right? You gotta be, uh, you gotta be able to adjust and, and uh, adapt to, to different things that are happening. Totally. I mean, I love that about like whitetail hunting is kind of like, um, so we still hunt whitetails in, in, in the bush here in, in BC. We have a few spots that you can actually still walk around in the woods and find a whitetail, um, and have a chance of killing it. And, but it's like, you have to be kind of perfect with every decision, every step, every, every sort of, you know, foundational piece of hunting, wind, uh, terrain, um, you know, you know scent management, all, all that stuff has to be just perfect in order for you to be able to kill a whitetail. And, and I, I, I love that sort of constantly strategizing about getting all those elements, you know, perfect. And then a deer presents itself under those conditions. And I, and it, I, I did that as a ton, as a kid, I uh, growing up, a white tail, it was kind of my primary thing. And then taking those, those, those foundational skill sets of still hunting for white tails and then bringing that to my elk hunt. It's like, it's kind of all the same pieces, but then you add this other layer of like an animal responding to you and calling and then like it's coming to you and then you're trying to sneak in on it. It's just like, it's just a whole other, it's a game changer. Like on top of that, it's just so, so, so exciting. So fun. So much, so much to process and think about for it to all work out. It's uh, I, I just find it endlessly interesting and exciting. Yeah. And, and for you walking around, I mean, you know, trying to track down a white tail in the bush. I mean, that that's difficult. At least with elk, you know, when they're, when they're talking and being vocal, at least you feel like you're in the game a bit, you know, sometimes with whitetails, I mean, those things are like, are ghosts, you know, with their, their senses and that it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, you just hear the big blow and they're gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that well, I think the bush is, bush is probably tighter in Alberta here. I'd, uh, yeah. Have you ever, have you, have you hunted whitetail in, in BC at all? I have not yet. No, nope, no, nope, I have not. 
Yeah, there's still yeah, it's still, it's still gonna be pretty fun. There's still some timber hunting. The mule deer hunting is amazing in VC. Uh, Bist the mountain hunting for mule deer. Have you have you had a chance to do any alpine? You know, I, I, the only the only experience I've had in BC so far is, is that elk here in, in Princeton. Just you know, simply because you know I, when I finished playing, I, I, I kind of got stuck here in Calgary with four kids in school, and we'd moved a little bit towards the end of my hockey career, and and we were happy in the area we were in. So you know, essentially, we everything's been done here. Now I constantly look at other options and other places, and I and I know listening to your uh, your podcast there you referenced Urs there up at northern rockies lodge and i had the pleasure of uh of flying with Urs for uh, an episode i did up there two years ago and what a what a gentleman he is just a beauty so that's always kind of been in the back of my mind about getting up there and going into one of his remote camps there and then you know you got several species up there that you can kind of target right yeah i just uh, i was just talking to Urs. i had a uh, our sort of adventure hunt of the year that we were planning. We had this sort of spot in mind we were going to fly into, and then we got we they got pack rafts, and we were going to pack raft out of this spot. And uh, I just called Urs yesterday to book the hunt. Oh wow! And he's like, oh man, you know what? There's like there's some guys. I'm flying some guys in there at the beginning of August, so oh, I can't wow. really fly in on top. So so I'm just like crushed out this amazing plan in my head, and it's kind of like what sustains me this time of year, like having a good adventure hunt plan to look forward to. And um, so now we're like crushed and we're like oh. back back to the drawing board which is which is fine like i love imagining hunts so i've been you know relentlessly looking at e-scouting the, the the north for pack crafting routes and it's been a it's kind of a fun process so that's a, an awesome area up there like when you get in the air the topography and you're looking at all the all the valleys and oh man that's like paradise yeah, if you ever get, I mean, there's nothing more spectacular than, I mean, I, I've, I've been drawn up to the north every year for the past probably 20 years for, for elk hunting and, and then more recently sheep hunting and a few goat and elk, uh, caribou hunts mixed in there. But uh, yeah, like once you once you do it once, you'll be hard pressed not to go back again. This the, this, the mountain country is amazing. And the other thing you got to get switched on to is the, is the mule deer hunting in the Alpine. I, I think there's probably some decent mule deer Alpine hunting in Alberta, but. Um, yeah, most of it that I've done here has been, uh, you know, kind of coolies, prairies, but I mean, tank mule deer here, right? Like big, big, yeah. big mule deer. Like, they look like horses. Um, yeah. You know, uh, kind of Medicine Hat, Jenner, even down south here. Uh, I mean, there's some there's some great spots. And uh, yeah, I've had some great spot and stocks there. I haven't, haven't sealed the deal yet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day. Yeah. I got I got an invitation to come out to Alberta for that coolie hunting. It's on high on my priority list to do that. So, um, okay, Kale, I, I got a few more questions for you. We're coming up on an hour probably, and I I, I try and keep these things to an hour as best I can. But, uh, um, so do you ever take out new hunters now? Are you are you in that sort of role now that you're kind of have people coming to you saying, "Hey, I want to get into this," and you're getting them out? Well, most guys that I've gone with have have kind of done it probably more than I have. I would have no problem taking new guys out. I guess with that being said, I did take my son out elk hunting for the first time, bow hunting this year, and we had an incredible evening. You know, we, we had cows at 50 yards from us. Uh, we had two bulls bugling all around us. We had, we had a black. I went down the fence line, told my son to stay there for a little bit because this bull was coming. And, uh, you know, I was on my knees, and I hear this kind of walking in the grass. I look, what the heck? There's a black bear kind of walking right towards me. So I'm like, oh, man, this elk's coming. This bear's coming. So I kind of stand up, wave my arms, and I shoot him away, and he goes back into the bush. But 15 minutes later, it's getting dark, so I, I go back up to my son. And he's kind of like, Dad, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, I was standing here, and I heard something walking behind me. And I looked, and there was a black bear like 10 yards from me. I'm like, that must have been <laughs> the same one that I shoot into the bush. <laughs> but he thought, Way to go, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, thanks a lot. But he loved it. Like He was like, that was, that was so cool, man. Like, yeah. Oh, then it was, uh, he brought a friend with him as well. So, and his friend had never done it. He's like, this is the best thing I've ever done. Like, so, you know, when guys, when they're enjoying it, especially young kids, you know, it's, uh, it's fun. It definitely is a lot of fun. Well, wow, right. On. That's great. And how old is your son? How he's 18. Oh, okay. So he's, he'll be right into it then. Yeah. That's right on. Um, okay. I got a couple more. Um, so you're you're someone who's I mean you're a bit in the public eye like you've got a you know you people know who you are and and uh, 
when you're talking about hunting or, or celebrating that part of your way of life, do you, do you ever get pushback from any part of this community or society people don't necessarily understand or are critical of your, your decisions around food? Yeah, you know, well, I, w- I wouldn't say it hasn't been that bad, but I, I obviously do understand that there there are a lot of situations where that does happen to people, and and you know, I think people that know me or and and, and or even don't know me and talk to me and and they kind of feel my passion and, and, my, and understand why I do it. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, for a lot of reasons we talked about earlier is, you know, this, this is, in my opinion, the best protein that you can put on your plate. Okay. Elk meat, you know, uh, the amount of protein, uh, how lean it is, the quality of food you get, it, it's, it, it's, you can't find it in a grocery store. You, you just cannot. Um, so that that's a big part of it, you know. I I do understand the argument from people if they think hunters are just out there trying to shoot animals to hang on their wall. Like, if, if that was the case, but that that's maybe one percent of, of of the hunting um, brotherhood, if you will, or group of people that are hunters. I mean, these guys are are, are doing it to for for multiple different reasons. But one I think is is uh, is providing right and and yeah. food on the table. Two, there's so much more that goes into it, like, you know, generations of families, the camaraderie you get, the memories you make, um, again, this the the skill that it takes, the physicality of it. I mean, there's a lot of people that can't do it. They they aren't willing to do it, can't put can't physically, you know, climb a mountain or anything. And so I mean, I have no problem uh, talking all day long passionately about why I believe that, that there's no issue. It it's uh so it's a well-monitored industry as far as, you know, issuing of tags um, in, in each, uh, you know, WMU here, for example, in Alberta. I mean, it's highly regulated. It's not like it's a free-for-all, just go out there and do what you want and get what you want and come home. And No, I mean, it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, it is very, very organized and regulated. And I think sometimes people that make these comments don't understand the full picture, right? I, I think a lot of times it's just like well you've you've killed an animal and how do you feel about that well i'll be honest with you that's probably the worst part about hunting right mm-hmm. is is you know that everything that goes into it is so much time so much effort so much work when you are successful i find at least when i when i do walk up to that animal i mean it's it, it's heartfelt it's touching like it's uh, it's a very intimate moment when when you go up to an animal and um it's a precious thing like you know you know taking um, the life of an animal is, is not something that you walk around gloating about and like oh hey, i did this it's it's you know guys that get it they get it right and and, and they understand mm-hmm. that it's uh it's a tremendous amount of work it's um a lot of passion and um you know you're very thankful when when things come together yeah, well, that's really well said. Uh, really well said, Deb. Your uh, your enthusiasm and passion for for well for fishing and hunting really, you know, I think that supersedes any kind of. It's hard to ignore that passion, and and uh, and and I think that's really what you know. If as hunters, if we we're able to tell our story with that level of passion and commitment and that enthusiasm for our way of life that is revolved around food, and and it's really like you know, that's the message we got to keep on sharing and you do a wonderful job. And I really appreciate that. Brendan. That was, that was really well said. Um, okay. I got, I got maybe one more question for you. Um, what's your, what's your dream hunt? You got a dream hunt in mind? Hmm. Man, that's, that's a good one. Like I'm so focused on elk right now. I mean, I mean, I, I follow Cameron Haynes a little bit there on, on, uh, on, uh, social media and he's done some incredible hunts on some first nation land down down in the u.s there with some magnificent bulls um so i mean but there's great elk hunting in bc and 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 alberta um i can't pinpoint one thing for those but you know one thing i've been telling myself for a couple years and it's it's probably more of a young man's game and i still think i'm fairly young is i I do want to do a sheep hunt at some point you know and uh i think that would be phenomenal getting up in the alpine there high up and, and just putting on miles and glassing and and that would be a cool thing to do but uh yeah that, that would that would be a lot of fun cool okay well maybe my, my last would you rather maybe it won't work because 
we'll, we'll see if it works. But so you and Jeff Sanderson are in the in the in the northern Rocky Mountains of British Columbia, and you've got there's two rams bedded down, mm-hmm. and they're in a spot that you could probably get them with your bow, and you've just got a just the final stalk. You're you're 400 meters away from them, and you figure you got the wind right. And you could probably get to within 30 meters behind a couple of boulders and put together this hunt. Would you rather be in that moment or in the dressing room getting ready for game seven, Stanley Cup playoffs? Game seven, hands down. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. I'd trade anything to get into game seven, (laughs) have a chance. Winning the big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right on, man. That's great. Well, so after a few years of sheep hunting, though, this might change for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll circle back in a couple of years if I've done it, then it might change. Yeah. Right on, man. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, so so okay, so how do we find you on uh, on uh, for your, for your television show? How do how do listeners find you? Yeah, so so we uh, we're on Czech TV every week. Um, we air on uh, Saturday and Sundays, and and um, Wild TV we're on as well. We were our episodes are on Amazon Prime, so you can get on Amazon Prime and, and uh, search for us there, Real West Coast, and social media. We're on Facebook, uh, YouTube. We got a good Instagram. All this Real West Coast uh, fishing, and yeah, man, and we'd love people to come out and join in our enthusiasm and our passion, and uh, get outside, man. Get outdoors, enjoy it. Like it, it's healthy, not only for your body but for your mind, right? It's just it's a good thing to get out there and disconnect and and. And you can be by yourself or you can be with your friends. And it's, uh, you know, to me, there's nothing better. Yeah, right on. And we all sat it again, like we're just in such a crazy year. And it's one of the very few things that we can continue to do to, you know, stay healthy in the mind, physically in the body. It, you know, we can be outside and we can connect with our friends safely uh, through this COVID craziness and um, continue to harvest wild food and maintain our way of life. So really awesome to connect with you. I, I should I should have picked up the phone 25 years ago and seen if you wanted to go uh Hit, hit 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 the river there but i'm glad i did now and i'm uh we'll, we'll shut this down and maybe we'll talk a little hunting thoughts uh, after this and uh anyways thank you so much for being on here appreciate your time well that was awesome dylan and uh, you should have called me we, we could have had some epic hunts by now but uh maybe one day we'll get out there that'd be a lot of fun i will get to that yeah i got some ideas right on well man i appreciate it you're doing a good job and uh i, I love your your logo your slogan there eat wild man it's uh it's cool so keep doing what you're doing Awesome.